Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. And welcome to Unspun, the show that believes that nuclear weapons are the only way to keep us safe as a... You what? I just said it, mate. So, <laughs> The only show that believes nuclear weapons are a disgrace and make us all unsafe. <laughs> David Cameron's former director of communications, Craig Oliver, has revealed that Theresa May was once unavailable to campaign for Remain during the referendum as she was spending time with her husband. Great, I'm glad we're leaving the EU because it was date night. <laughs> Prime Minister, the President wants to meet about imminent military action this Friday evening. Uh, yeah, can't do Friday, I'm going to Nando's. <laughs> Ex-Conservative Minister and sender of sexy pics, Brooks Newmark, has been back in the news. He's instructed his notoriously aggressive law firm, Carter Rook, to remove all the images from the internet so that they are never seen again. So, if you haven't seen them, then get ready for a long legal battle, because there's no way I'm putting them on this show. <laughs> I'm not stupid. And let's see what else has been making the news this week. In a bizarre online argument, UKIP's Douglas Carswell has challenged the entire scientific community by denying that the moon affects the Earth's tides. <laughs> Carswell has now called for a referendum to leave the moon's orbit and forge greater links with the sun. <laughs> the former pensions minister, Steve Webb, has suggested that the word pension doesn't appeal to young people and that we should consider rebranding pensions as freedom pots. <laughs> <laughs> Government rebrands include calling the Ministry of Defence Fight Club, <laughs> Job Seekers Allowance Beer Money, <laughs> and Brexit, Brexit. <laughs> a Nottingham pub has installed a huge photo of Donald Trump in its urinal so that people can piss on his face. <laughs> Fair enough. John Whittingdale has asked if he can have his face in the urinal. When asked if he had a photo big enough, he said, Photo? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Unspun, and what a guest we've got for you this week. He was Deputy Prime Minister for five years, leader of the Liberal Democrats for nine years, and immensely popular for about 15 minutes. Please welcome <laughs> Nick Clegg!
Vic Clegg, welcome to the show. Very good to be here. Um, have you ever fallen in love with someone you shouldn't have fallen in love with? Uh, no. No more than 30. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... Stop sniggering. <laughs> uh, we saw the footage of the Lib Dem conference in the last fortnight. It looked like the most fun conference to be at. Were you there? And was it as much fun as it looked? <laughs> it's sort of... The whole party's become sort of D-mob happy, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, was it was. I was there, yes. It was in Brighton. And, uh, yeah, I think people are kind of, you know, free of all the uh, agonising dilemmas of the coalition. <laughs> they can blame it all on me, so they can have a great party at the seaside. It was actually a very good... Yeah, it was a very good mood, actually. Cos it feels like the party has sort of been freed from the shackles. I think government was a, a, quite a bruising experience yeah, for... just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> there is the understatement of you. I mean, for, but not just for you, but for the members as well. Yeah, of course. Uh, and a lot of political parties go through this. I mean, do you feel a sense of relief of not being at the centre of it all? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, sort of day-to-day, -day you do. You get, you get your life back. I mean, uh, I, I know all politicians are... Not considered to be human, but we are actually human. And actually getting, you know, just having me able to spend more time with family and friends and all the rest of it after, you know, f fairly, fairly long period of time of uh, just being constantly kind of, you know, working away at the politics. Yeah, that, that's a kind of relief. I mean, I'd like, of course I'd prefer to be in government taking decisions than not, but uh, everything comes to an end, <laughs> however abruptly. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, in terms of modern times, you, you're very much a politician for our age because you went through a period of intense popularity. Quite briefly. <laughs> <laughs> but it must have been surreal to go from, just in terms of your expectations, sure. to go from the leader of a party, but still the leader of the third party, with um, perhaps limited realistic ambitions of ever being in government, yeah. to then being propelled through well, huge popularity yeah. and then through the ballot. Well, I think, I think, I mean, I think fleetingly, um, I think fleetingly, actually, the sort of wind that we caught, the Lib Dems caught in, in two, 2010, is actually in an odd kind of way the kind of wind that's sort of propelling lots of people up sudden... I mean, Corbyn at the moment... I mean, he doesn't... He doesn't as far as I can make... He doesn't say very much. He reminds me a bit of Peter Sellers. Do you remember you're being there? Do you remember that film? <laughs> For the gardener, who sort of says, the roses are going to bud in the spring. And goes, oh, wow, that's so profound. <laughs> he didn't say... But people are, but people are reading the state into... his garden. <laughs> no, well, his allotment. But, um, <laughs> no, no, but it's a serious point, this. I think people, uh, when they long for change, long for something different, mm. they'll sometimes project their hopes or their fears like a kind of, you know, cinema screen onto people who, who, who they think will deliver that, mm. that kind of channel. Clearly, I... I wasn't able to deliver the change that, 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 that was sort of... was hoped for then. But I think that's happening a lot in politics at the moment. You're getting a sort of shifting cast of people who... who who've, people who, who want, you know, great change, sort of think they're going to deliver the new Jerusalem, and then they get incredibly upset when they don't. And it, that's why I think it's become very turbulent. Not just here, but you see it across Europe and, and North America too. The worst thing that could happen mm. for Trump is if he actually got power. He'd actually have to do something, and he'd disappoint all these people who think that he's going to deliver this utopia by building a wretched wall. Um, does that mean, then, the worst thing for you was to get power? No, no, no. <laughs> well, in one... In one in, well, no, you're right. The, 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 uh, the kind of inflated expectations, if I could put it like that, boy, did they, did they uh, get punctured pretty quickly, yeah. But I think, I think, I think that's happening a lot more now. I think you're, you're seeing this hope and disappointment kind of thing uh, with a lot of politicians on both, you know, on all, on all sort of shades of opinion. It's happening a lot more these days, yeah. In terms of just your day-to-day -day life, now, how did that change? Oh. <laughs> well, we can talk about that now, <laughs> if you like. Um, 
how did it change coming into government, going from being an MP, yeah. that's still quite a rarefied existence, to then the trappings of power? How did your day-to-day -day existence Well, it changes completely. I mean, so suddenly I was told I couldn't go on the train, the bus, the tube. I had to be sort of ferried around like a sort of Ming vase <laughs> in a bulletproof car. In fact, well, I proof. remember... Well, yes, I think they are. Well, I'm, I'm assuming I hope they are. Yeah, let's well, hope they Otherwise, what's the point? I could get around much more quickly on public transport. But actually, I remember one of the first uh, kind of cars I was sort of put into. I suddenly, I suddenly looked up and there was all these ink marks on the ceiling. And I said to the sort of slightly sort of stern-faced police officers who were driving, I said, what? What's this? And they, said, and they sort of shuffled a bit uncomfortably and they said, well... So that, that's the previous Prime Minister. What, Gordon Brown? <laughs> he apparently used to sort of gesticulate. And <laughs> so I, my early days in government were basically under the kind of Banksy, uh, you know, stuff of... Uh, well, all, the, all these pen markers, I think that says, kill yeah. Tony Blair, Tony Gordon Brown's graffiti. That was my, <laughs> that was my introduction into government. And then, in terms of sitting in government, because you were around the cabinet table... Yes. ..sat directly opposite David Cameron... Yes. ..and then sat directly next to our next Prime Minister, yes. Theresa May. Yeah, that's right, actually. So what was she like to sit next to in class? Um, <laughs> not much small talk. You know, so after the summer break, I'd sort of say, um, ..hi, did you sort of, you know, as you do? Yeah. Did you have a good, a good holiday? She'd go, yes, I went to Switzerland. Right. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and more. you'd say, uh, how was it? And, the... and that was it. And I'd go, OK. She just sort of walk up. To I went to Switzerland. Yeah, get by. Get back, <laughs> get back to my paperwork. Yeah. So what would she like to deal with in terms of policy in government? As Deputy Prime Minister, do you ever have to deal with her as Home Secretary outside of the Cabinet Office? Yeah, we had endless, endless conflicts. Uh, and actually because... Uh, I mean, mo most of the conflicts in the coalition government would be resolved, you know, if they couldn't be resolved by Secretaries of State or Ministers, by, by Cameron and myself on our sort of weekly meetings. But... She, it was often quite a struggle to get number 10 to get her and the home office to do what we'd agreed. So um, uh, I would meet her every couple of weeks to try and go through this list of, you know, from the snoopers charter to this... To, the to House Switzerland. Or... To Switzerland. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we spent quite a lot of time and this list would, wouldn't get very much shorter because we would have these meetings and basically agree to continue to disagree. But she... Um, I remember once we, 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 we crossed swords actually in quite a big way about a... Uh, report on uh, freedom of movement, which has been a big thing in the in the Brexit referendum, um, where the Home Office, or rather her advisers, were determined to kind of uh, put into this report, which was supposed to be an objective snapshot of what was going on, lots of wildly kind of unproven claims about people coming here for benefit tourism and all the rest of it. I remember that became a huge standoff, and I refused, you know, I refused that, you know, to allow the thing to be published until they sort of took all that out. And so they then published, I think, on the last day before summer recess, which is a good old Whitehall trick to avoid any scrutiny, because all the journalists have buggered off on holidays. <laughs> and that's but exactly they, what she did. Was it just completely spurious, the stuff she was trying to get? Yeah, yeah, because, you see, <laughs> part of the Conservative Party narrative, as we now know, I mean, it's kind of... It's, it's kind of now... Well, it's now becoming a sort of... You know, it's become a sort of guiding principle of this government, but it, it was actually a pretty evidence-free assertion that there were sort of millions and millions of people pouring into our country just to kind of pillage our benefit system. In fact, you know, all the evidence shows over and over again that most people come here, come here to work, and they don't actually rely on, on benefits. Um, in fact, they rely on benefits much less than, than, than those of us who, who, who live here in the first place. Well, you address a lot of these themes in your book uh, that's out now, and I've started reading it, and it is superb. Thank um, you, thank uh, you. 
It's called... Don't laugh. No, no, no. But it, <laughs> but it sounds like I'm saying it to sort of fluff you a bit. Because <laughs> one thing that comes out of the book that, that really appeals is this idea that the centre ground, the Liberals, not only have to make the head arguments, but they have to make the heart arguments yeah. as well. But how do you make heart arguments about things that are sort of... Uh, less emotional on your side of the argument. You can't just say, oh, come on, vote yeah. to stay in Europe. Oh, please! <laughs> well, please! Yeah, well, no, but, but, well, I mean, and by the way, when I say Liberal, I don't mean just Lib Dem. I mean, there are plenty of Liberals in the Conservative well, Party. Well, in the very Labour small Party. market, if you're aiming at... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. I don't want to hear any of those sort of taxi phone box jokes. Oh, we um, did them all last week. Oh, you did no, them all last week. <laughs> no, but, um, but, but it's a serious point, that. There are plenty of other sort of small-l Liberals in other parties who don't like to see politics being sort of polarised to the kind of extremes. And uh, you're right, I think one of the things that we cede too readily is, is the emotional art. So patriotism is a good example. Yeah. Why is it that people on the right, and I sometimes think the extreme right, seem to think that they have a monopoly on patriotism? Why are they more patriotic than people who think that, I don't know, Britain would do better for, for ourselves by being part of Europe? You know, why is it that being part of Europe was suddenly flipped into being almost deemed an unpatriotic thing. That's the kind of thing we need to reclaim. It's ludicrous to say that British internationalism is a kind of unpatriotic yeah. belief. It's a very patriotic belief. I totally agree. I, I, I mean, you're talking to the converted here. I've, I've got, I sleep in a Union Jack duvet. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's got curry stains on it because I'm an internationalist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you doing eating curry in bed? What's... Uh, what are you doing not eating curry? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> What a wonderful note to end it into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please give a massive thank you to Nick Clegg. Thank you, Thank you so much. Before MP4 take us home musically, not literally, let's have a look at next week's news. The Conservative Party conference kicks off in Birmingham this weekend with the party ready to celebrate the leader who's given them hope and unity in the last few months. Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Saturday marks 100 days since the UK voted to leave the EU. The Department for Brexit has already made huge progress, with Theresa May saying she'll take the chair by the window and David Davis confirming he'll have a tea, white, no sugar. <laughs> After losing the Labour leadership contest to Jeremy Corbyn, Owen Smith has said that he plans to quit the party and turn his back on serious politics for good. He's defecting to the Lib Dems. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week. Thanks to my guest, Nick Clegg. And now to play us out, it's MP4. <laughs> Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh, no! Oh, my God, it's, it's a really long video. Ew! In Dave's brand-new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. <laughs> 
The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum, Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad, Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get Off My Phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.